Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number three with our guest, Sheila Cummins. On today's episode, when the chips are down, you have two choices. You can either bow out and hide and walk away from whatever you're doing, or you can take a big deep breath, lean into it and say to yourself, all right, I'm in a bit of a pickle. What am I going to do to get through it? And that resilience of being able to ride it out when you're in that lull is where I think most people's success is sitting. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. As they say, three times a charm, and you're tuned into episode three of The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey, and I have to admit, there is plenty of charm, thanks to my guest, sprinkled throughout this episode. My exceptional guest today is Sheila Cummins, who came to this show by recommendation from a friend. She said, go reach out to Sheila. I think she's perfect for you. And perfect she is. Sheila spent 15 years in the classroom teaching, and for at least five of those years, she was longing for something else. (laughs) Relatable much? While at the top of her pay scale and with a deep burning desire to do more, to be more, and give more, she finally found a way out. Knowing she still had a family counting on her support, Sheila set a goal and made a promise to at least match the income she was earning as a teacher through whatever her next career path would look like. It certainly has not been an easy success story right out of the gate for her, but through plenty of self-reflection, self-awareness, and the desire to continue to teach, Sheila is, in every way, living her dream today. She truly has so much good, so much wisdom, and so much insight to share. I am already in love with this episode, and I'm sure you will quickly be too. You ready? Here we go. Hello, hello. Here we are. That on-air button is blinking vibrantly. You know what that means. It's literally and truly my 
favorite time of the week. It's the moment I love and look forward to when I have an exceptional person here with me. And my exceptional friend today is the Sheila Cummins. How are you, Sheila? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I love being an exceptional friend. <laughs> well, I, I really, really think you are an exceptional friend. Let's go down that path. First and foremost, why not? What do you think of the word exceptional? What does that mean to you? I just think, I think it just means someone just being the best that they can. I think there's too many of us that are playing under exceptional. We're just accepting good or good enough. And Josh, I know you're not one of those people and I'm definitely not one. So there's always that one step that we can do more to be better than just good. Talking about exceptional, do you think that the human being, are we born exceptional or do we have to grow into and discover how to be exceptional? Well, I think it's both. I think we're born with the exceptional gene, but it's up to us to go and tap into it and to live it and to trust it and to find it so that we can be exceptional. And how difficult might that be for people to do? Oh, well, listen, anything growth can be uncomfortable. And I think we go to great lengths to hold discomfort at bay. We go to great lengths to make sure that we feel safe, we stay safe, we feel okay, we feel good. Because for some reason, we've been taught that discomfort or being uncomfortable is a bad thing. Well, at least in my house it was. Whereas I actually think it's a brilliant thing because it means that you're growing and you're leaning into something new and different. When you, fascinating by the way, when you say discomfort is a, however you said it, a good thing, a positive thing, something that you can use to your benefit, do we have to qualify that? What kind of discomfort are we talking about? Could be emotional discomfort, could be spiritual discomfort, it could be anything where you're challenging the status quo. You know, we know how to do what we do on a daily basis. Sometimes taking that leap beyond is a little bit overwhelming. How do we do something differently? How do we do something instead of good? How do we do it exceptional? How do we have to do it differently? Hmm. Let me ask you this open-ended question. <laughs> how is life going for you today? Life today is Great. Thank you for asking. I'm having a great day. We've got beautiful weather. It's a Monday, which means the whole week is ripe with opportunity. Uh, get to talk to you today. How could it be any better, Josh? And has it always been that way for you where day in and day out is, as you say, great for you? Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? No. And I think anybody who tells you that it's great day in, day out is feeding you a line of you know what. Mm -hmm. you what know, exactly? I I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, anytime you're, you're working for yourself or building a business or growing a business, there are always things that come up that could be challenging or are frustrating or we don't know how to do or we don't know how to overcome. But that's part of the discomfort of running your own business is accepting that it is going to be more challenging on some days and it's not always going to be roses and one of the things that I hold quite close is the whole process and the whole thing that we have to feel uncomfortable when we're challenged so that we can experience the highs to their max. I, th I think if our days were the same each and every day, we'd just be living this groundhog day and there'd be no fun in it. 
what exactly is it that you do? In your words, what do you do day in and day out? I, day in, day out, specialize in helping women entrepreneurs launch, grow, and scale their businesses. Depending on where they are on what I call the road to seven or the road to seven figures in their business, I help them either grow what they already have or put in place some systems and processes that they're going to need to be successful. I help them build a profitable and sustainable platform on which to grow. And then I support them through the discomfort of growth, which is inevitably going to include things that make them uncomfortable, challenging the status quo, going beyond where they are today. That is amazing. The, um, before we venture back into your upbringing and mm -hmm. your road early on, when you're working with clients today, surely you must see common themes or obstacles or issues that come up time and time again. Mm -hmm. Yes. What are some of those? You want to know the number one obstacle? I'd love to. Them. Us. Mm. Me. I. Us as a person, ourselves, Go ahead. we are our biggest challenge because we have these sets of beliefs that we bring to our business. I am good at some things. I am not good at others. I have evidence that this works. I don't have evidence that this works. I believe I'm worth it. I don't believe I'm worth it. We stand in the way of our own success so many times. So it doesn't matter what system or process you put into your business, there always has to be a little bit of a readjustment of our personal so that we can attack that new way of operating confidently and comfortably. I gotta say, I completely agree, especially because I've lived through that. One of the things in my own journey that brought me to this very show, to this mm -hmm. very career path that I'm now finding myself on, is that I was in a grind in my seemingly successful career in the past. You know, I was, I was making money, I was serving clients, but was I happy? Yes, and more often no, because I was darn frustrated because I just kept hitting the wall and wanting to do a little more, give a little more, perhaps be a little more. And wouldn't you know, I couldn't figure out why the heck it was not working until I realized, oh, I'm not going to get the external until I deal with the internal. internal. Is, is it Tony it? Robbins? I think Tony Robbins says 80% of your success is sitting inside who you are and 20% is sitting in our systems and our processes. But we spend over 80% of our time dealing with our systems and processes and less than 20% of time dealing with us. And, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, I, I listened to Dr. Shafali speak. And I don't know if you know, she's fantastic. And she was talking about growth. And she said one thing, Josh, that changed my life forever. She said, growth is not additive. Growth is not taking more classes. It's not learning more. It's not investing in more coaching and more this or more that. Growth is deconstructive. It's better understanding who we are and what opportunity we're sitting on, maybe to be exceptional, just to bring us back to where we started, or what opportunity we're sitting on in order to grow to who we want to become. It was, it's a life, it's fascinating when you explore that path. It really is. And it takes 
I don't know if guts is the word. Maybe for me, that's the opposite of when I, I don't know, just trying to think of it because I was paralyzed by fear. Mm -hmm. My fear of the list goes on and on. You know, there's no limit to what uh, I realize now I was fearful of. And that's what just prevented me. So I love it. Like you said, you sort of look externally and want that to be the answer. And I'm yeah. guessing you in your world with clients find, like you said, I just, I just love how you pointed that out. The biggest obstacle is truly ourselves. So do you feel like working with you, do they just sort of need, I don't know, is it the permission or is it the mirror or mm-hmm. what, how does all that work? How do we get out <laughs> of our own way? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I, it's interesting because people hire me because they want to increase their sales or they want to increase their marketing reach or they want to increase the number of people they're serving. They want more clients. Those are all external barometers that they have of success where we spend 80% of our time just to keep going with our 80-20 here is really I help those women understand who they are as business owners. What are their strengths? What are their exceptionalities? What do we need to leverage in order to grow? What permission do they need that they are stopping themselves from doing? For example, I just got off the phone with someone before this where she needed, she was looking for permission to sell more than one coaching call at a time. And I'm saying, lady, like you're not going to get results in one call. She's like, I know, but people would rather just buy one over three. And I'm like, no, no, no. People want to buy the results. And what it all came down to, is the number that she wanted to charge. She felt uncomfortable with that. So it's not about what she's selling. I mean, sure, we can put in a new price tag, we can repackage, we can reprice. She has to give herself permission or acceptance that she's worthy of that investment to help her clients get the transformation that they're hiring her for. So it is, it's all about us, Josh. I know. And, and we're going to go down this path with you personally. And I've been there the whole feeling uncomfortable valuing yourself and putting it out there with no apology whatsoever. Before we hit that portion in your world, take us back some time to early childhood Sheila, if you will. What was that growing up like? What was your childhood and your home life like? I had a very happy childhood. Um, I lived in a very traditional house. When I was little, my dad was the main breadwinner and my mom stayed home with us. When we hit middle school and were able to be a bit more independent, my mom went back to school and then eventually went back to work. I, at no point though, was ever really introduced to the idea of entrepreneurship. And so me growing up, it was always a matter of, okay, well, what am I going to do in order to earn money? Well, I could work for, I could work doing this, or I could work for that person, or I could work doing this. And I ended up teaching, which I loved, but I just sort of fell into it because it was really all that I knew that I could do was working with kids. And I'd worked with kids in an outdoor ed setting at summer camps and I had volunteered in some uh, classes and I always loved tutoring or babysitting. So kids were always an integral part of my upbringing. So I just sort of fell into the teaching profession. And I stayed there for about 15 years because it was all that I knew. I didn't know that I could do anything else. And yet, I'm going to tell you, there was about four times 
where I went to sit in my GMAT so I could go back to school and do an MBA or get into a business program. And I chickened out each and every time because I never thought that I was smart enough. And so I never ended up doing it. And yet business was always something that for me was just so logical and made so much sense. And it's all process driven. And there's, you know, to get an end result, you can work backwards. And it's the same as when you're teaching curriculum, you, you think about, well, what do I want the end result to look like? And then you figure out what you need to teach in order to get your class there. And I see business through that same lens. And so uh, when I had my first kiddo, um, I was on maternity leave. And in Canada, we get a year maternity leave. We're very fortunate. It's why we pay so much in taxes, partly. That in our healthcare system. But anyway, uh, we got, I had a year maternity leave. And a buddy of ours had a corporate training company. And he needed some help designing and developing courses. And he knew that I had a master's degree in instructional design. And so he said, hey, would you, would you be interested in helping? And I was like, absolutely. Because I don't know you know, I think you got little guys as well, but that first year of being a mom is kind of overwhelming. And the one thing I needed was some sanity, you know, something that wasn't diapers, that had some closure, that was all about me. And so I, I lost myself in research and I got to read every single business book that was out there and take every single webinar so I could build these courses. And so I was able to build this knowledge base, um, which then I thought, well, yeah, but I don't really want to go back teaching. So what could I do to go and make some money that's not teaching? So I started a tutoring company. And when my guys were little, every afternoon, I would step out at about 3.30 and I would go and start tutoring. But what happened was I then became full. So I then hired on other teachers that were also on maternity leave and I started putting them into how into tutoring situations so I by mistake just built this tutoring company leveraging the knowledge that I had I also had an online blog I was one of the original parenting bloggers here in Canada you know 10 12 years ago and uh, so I was learning the online world through that platform and so I had all these different things that were happening kind of accidental but they've all fed into where I am today wow so much scribbled notes here. I want to go back and dissect some of that. Uh, a few things you said. First, mm -hmm. um, you made the comment about uh, attempting four times going back for your MBA, but yeah. never pulling the trigger. Looking yeah. back now, honestly, why do you think that is? Why didn't you pull the trigger each and every time? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, when I think about my journey, um, I think the one thing that I know is every mistake that I made cost me a tuition. It was a learning. It was as if instead of going and doing an MBA and sitting in a classroom and learning, I was learning on the fly. I had an experiential MBA through two or three different companies that I was running. Uh, and I made all the mistakes that I could. I made all the rookie mistakes. And I know we're going to talk about one of them in a little bit, but um, yeah, it was, I think I, I really, I didn't need it. And I'm, I've, I still have a curiosity about an MBA, but because I don't really want to work in the corporate sector, I really just want to handpick and audit some of the courses within the MBA. I don't actually need, I don't need the degree to show that I'm really good at what I do. My business kind of speaks for itself and the results of my women speak for themselves. And so 
Why did I not pull the trigger? Because I think in the end, I didn't really need it because I was living my own learning each and every day. So you're saying something inside you knew at that starting line before going forward, you know, just no, I don't really need this right now. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't, I'm not ever going to say never because you never know. I don't see myself working in corporate ever. I love working for myself. I love making the decisions. I like having full control over the impact that I'm having. I like taking a risk when I want to take a risk or playing it safe when I need to play it safe. Like I, I, I love making those decisions for myself. So I, I do wonder if in hindsight, I kind of on a level knew that that wasn't really my jam or this playground that I wanted to play in. And what was happening simultaneously was this school of business life, if you will, where I took some hard knocks for sure. Um, and, I, and I got to learn what I needed in order to apply to build the business that I have today and that I share with the women I work with. And tell me if I got this right. Uh, You also said that when you were on maternity leave, a friend had asked you to help design a course and you said yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you went out. It sounded like you then went out to learn and research, et cetera. Did you say yes and then figure out how? (laughs) Always, always. Uh, I don't know if you ever do the Colby. I don't know if you've done the Colby personality assessment, but I'm classified as what's called a quick start. So I see something, I just say, yes, I go and I figure it out on the fly. Now, I also am a high follow through. So if I say yes to something, I am going to follow through till completion. So that is my my personality profile, if you will. And it's it serves me. So it means I will often or sometimes say yes to something where I don't know exactly where the shoe's going to fall, but I know and what I trust is that I can figure it out along the way. Now, I, I love that, completely agree with that. Yes or no, isn't that something that everybody should learn to do or get good at doing? I think we all operate in our own way, and I just want to remove the judgment from that. There's no should. Some people want to be a quick start and want to make things happen. Other people want to make things happen, but on their own time and need to do a huge amount of research before they make their move. And I think one of the beauties is we just have to know how we operate and where I think, you know, you asked a question before, what is it that, that it takes for someone to get where they want to be? And I'm going to tell you, it's three things. Number one, it's resourcefulness. Sometimes people say, oh, I can't do something because of money. But if you want it really bad, you're going to figure out a way to get it. Or they say, you know, you you can't do this because I don't have enough time. I mean, listen, I had three little kids at home. I was trying to work in between nap times and diaper changing and this and that. And no, is there an abundance of time? No. Could I get stuff done? Yes. Why? Because I was resourceful and I figured out ways to get myself chunks of time so I could get done what I needed. So I think resourcefulness, number one, is hugely important. Number two, resilience. When the chips are down, you have two choices. You can either bow out and hide and walk away from whatever you're doing, or you can take a big, deep breath, lean into it and say to yourself, all right, I'm in a bit of a pickle. What am I going to do to get through it? And that resilience of being able to ride it out when you're in that lull is where I think most people's success is sitting. So we've got resilience, we've got resourcefulness, and the third thing is persistence. 
But the thing is, you have to want the end result of what you're doing more than you want to buy into not doing something to get there. And so when we understand the impact of our results so deeply, and we can see its impact on us, our family, our life, our business, and we want that result, then I believe as human beings that we're able to do anything. One of my taglines is, we make the impossible possible through one power move at a time. And I call a power move one action that you're going to take to get you closer to where you want to be. And power moves don't have to be huge. They can be nice, small, little steps. It could be as simple as working on a budgeting sheet. It could be as simple as just recording one interview. It could be as simple as creating one graphic, reaching out to one person, creating one piece of content. It doesn't have to be huge, but what we want to know is that that action or that power move is going to directly feed the impact or the results of what it is that we're doing. Spectacular. Talk to me about your teaching career because i know you spent 15 years yeah. in the classroom yeah how did it end lead us up to that emotionally and yeah well you know i'd been trying to leave for about five years i knew i wasn't fulfilled anymore you know true fulfillment comes from growth and contribution and i was contributing huge i was changing lives like i i am still in contact with some of the kids that i used to teach and and i i know that i've had a, i had a huge impact on them but you know for me it was another day okay today we're teaching fractions okay last year i taught fractions this year i'm teaching fractions again oh here we go time to start fractions again there was a little bit of groundhog day in terms of the content and I think I was a little bit bored. So I tried a couple things to see if I could make it work. One, I went back to school and got a master's, not an MBA, but I ended up going back and do a master's in education. And I had a specific focus in curriculum teaching and uh, learning, CTL, curriculum teaching and learning. So one of the things that fascinates me is how people learn and acquire information. And then one of the things I do with coaching is how do I take that information and implement it in my life? So that was just an area of interest. Um, so I tried going back to school to shake it up. I was working at a school that was part of the International Baccalaureate, which is a worldwide organization, a special pedagogy of teaching, which is inquiry based. So I, I got trained and certified in that. And I went out and I accredited schools across North America just to try and jazz it up to see if that was what I was looking for. It wasn't because, you know, you go to one school, you write the report, you go to another school, you write the report. And when I left, um, the day I went back after my first child was born, he was 10 months old. And I actually realized on that morning that we were pregnant with my second. So there was a little bit of a, whoa, this is actually happening. And I remember the day crystal clear. It was a Wednesday and it was in October. And here in Toronto, it was crystal clear blue sky day. The leaves were orange and red. It was a beautiful day. And I remember standing in front of my class. I was teaching at a girl's school at that moment. And I remember looking at these beautiful little women and thinking a couple things. Number one, no matter how much better I got at teaching, I could never make more money. So we're on a salary cap. I was at the top of the pay scale. And with the money that I was making, if in my tummy I had a little girl, I wouldn't be able to put her in that seat. I wouldn't have enough money to send her to the school that I was teaching at. And it was just like this, oh my God, I didn't even realize it. So that happened. And I also realized that I think that I could do more. 
you know, I was the first to drop my, my little guy off at daycare and I was the last to pick him up at the end of the day. He got the worst of me. I got the worst of him. And these beautiful girls were getting the best of me, but I wanted that for my family. And so it was just like this, this beautiful collision of stars on that day where I was like, okay, that's it. I got to figure out what else I can do. And so the deal with my husband, I ended up finishing that school year. And the deal with my husband was after I could, I didn't have to go back full time because I could take a, a leave of absence, an unpaid leave of absence just to make the exit safe. But when I left, I had to make the same amount of money that I would after having paid for, ta for daycare for two kids and after having paid taxes. So whatever was left over after those two bills, that was my responsibility to make in whatever way, shape or form. And that's where this tutoring business came in. And then the parenting blog and then designing courses for the training company. It was all just me working to make that amount so that I could still help out financially, but I still could be home with my two little babies and they could have the best of me. And that is what sort of kick-started that, hey, I can do something more than teaching and it allowed me to exit the, the classroom gracefully and strategically you I, I mean wow so so much incredible stuff here um you you said you you wanted more for your family mm -hmm. is, is is part of the emotion and the feeling do you think that in order for someone to do this for themselves if they're not happy where they are do they have to and if so how figure out what they want like you knew you wanted more for your family how important where does that sit in the yeah. whole of, of the journey well I, I think there's a couple ways to sort of start a business and launch a business and make it happen and you know my route was very much fueled through a financial need to be contributing. So much like falling into teaching, I kind of fell into the jobs or the businesses that I had created. It took me a couple years to actually pivot and shift a little bit to build the business that was actually based on a passion. And though I do business coaching and consulting, Josh, what underlies my day is still education. I'm still teaching. And I still, one of my geniuses, one of the things where I excel is taking a piece of content and making it attainable for any audience. And so I spent a couple of years playing and figuring out how to make money and realizing that we all can make money in amazing different ways. And then once I sort of got over that hurdle of, oh my gosh, I can't believe someone's going to pay me to do something other than teach, then it was okay, now wait a minute, what if I built this business in a way that actually was built in a passion and where I was leading with what I wanted to be known for or a legacy, which is really, as much as it's business-based, it's helping women make the impossible possible in their life. I mean, I defied the odds by leaving this this school with full pension, full health care, you know, I was at the top of the salary. I walked away from an almost six-figure salary, job security, and I started from scratch. And the one thing is I've never missed a month of contributing to my family. So it is possible, but everybody's route is their own. But if I could do it again and make it a little bit tidier, I would start with the passion lens. And the passion lens is fueled by what do I want my impact to be? What do I want people talking about 
how I've helped them, either through product or a service or a blend of both, it doesn't matter. Where do I love to play and what do I want people saying about me? And then starting there. That's kind of the best place to be starting. Let's talk finances because I know oh, you said you, you, <laughs> you've, you've <laughs> contributed um, every month. Tell me, why, oh God, where, where are we going with this angle? Well, I mean, Josh, you know, the finance piece, numbers is probably the, the, my fear of numbers. And, you know, I have a self-perception that I'm very bad at math. I'm actually not, but I, I, I have always felt like I was bad at math. So I, I did ignore numbers and finances for a while. And I only focused on, okay, that amount's coming in. That's what I agreed that I'd bring in. So I'm going to bring in that amount. And what I didn't take the time to learn was the importance of a financial system or flow within a business. And let me just reiterate, I am a bit of an experiential learner. And so I had to learn the hard way things like, oh, you do have to save up and pay the tax guy because he's going to come calling no matter what. You know, I did learn things like, oh, yeah, credit cards, they snowball. If you don't pay them off, they're just going to snowball larger and larger. Things like for every dollar of debt you go into, it's going to take you $3 to get out. So things like that I had to experience in order to really get that lesson. And, you know, I think I'm still on that learning journey. I think that's still in one of the areas that I, I do need the most amount of help. And I still, I, I have my own coach and, and he holds me very responsible for that piece. And I'm still working on it today, 10 days late, 10 years later. Yeah. I'm um, tricky. Yeah. It, yes, it is. And um, <laughs> having your own coach is um, so valuable. Everybody should have one, right? There's, yes. no real, uh, there's no real point in your life where you couldn't or shouldn't benefit from a coach or a mentor of sorts. I, I've Absolutely. heard that over and over again. Let's talk about the whole concept of undercharging, mm -hmm. which we know comes from a, 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 a lack of worth and mm -hmm. value, something mm -hmm. that I, I've certainly experienced for decades. Mm -hmm. um, tell me your personal experience with that, if you will. Sure. Well, you know, I remember um, sitting on the couch one morning in my living room, looking at my little babies. And, you know, when people talk about having no money, there's a lot of different variations of no money. Some people are like, oh, I have no money, but I drive a Lexus and have a $2 million house. Some people are like, oh, I have no money, but, um, you know, I have a, a savings account that has 100000 in it. Or then there's Sheila's version of I have no money, which is like, I have no money. Credit cards were maxed out, line of credit maxed out, no cash in the bank. And we had, I just, I just needed milk, bread and gas in my car so I could get to a gig the next day. And I remember sitting there looking at my little babies going, oh my God, like I have to buy milk and bread and I need gas in the car because I'm facilitating tomorrow and I have to get to the, the meeting so that I can get paid. And it was, it was just this sort of a slow motion moment, if you will. Again, let's go back to the experiential learning where it was a, you know, smack to the forehead of, oh my God, what is going on? Like, this is a rude awakening. And it was just that. It was a rude awakening because here I was, you know, working around the clock whenever I could. I was giving my all. I was undercharging because I was afraid that people would say no. 
because I needed them to come in because I needed the money. Um, and I was afraid they'd say no. And I was over delivering and I was just. And, and I see a lot of women entrepreneurs who are just. They are just an entrepreneur. They just run a company. They just impact lives each and every day and they just disqualify what they do because they're just. And I remember coaching a woman who was selling her business for, I think she was offered 21 million or something for it. And she said, but I, I just run my business out of my basement and they don't even know that I am just in my pajamas today. And I'm like, yeah, but it's got nothing to do with that. It is all about the impact that you're having. Look at how many people you're touching. You know, you've got a hundred thousand people that are in your community. Anyway, there was a huge thing and, but she was just, and, and in that moment I was operating as just an entrepreneur and I wasn't focusing on the wins that my ladies were having and on how they kept referring other people to me and how I kept getting asked to speak and how more and more people were joining my community and reaching out. I wasn't seeing all that because I was just working in between nap times. And so in that moment, I just, I made the decision that I wanted more. And so it, through a, a weird twist of fate, a couple of days later, my old principal called and said, hey, Sheila, I have a nine-month um, long-term occasional teaching job that's just come open. We'd love for you to take it. I know you're building your business, but would you like it? And I was like, hell yes. <laughs> and so I stepped back in the workforce and I gave myself nine months to sort of just reevaluate, figure out what had got on, remove the financial pressure for a bit. And then reposition myself more powerfully, more strongly, do that deconstructive work that we had talked about, really figure out, you know, what's market rate for coaching? And then I hit market rate and uh, then a little bit higher and then a little bit higher. And, and, you know, I just, it's a process, Josh. And, and I think people expect this to happen overnight, but sometimes you got to feel that hit. You got to kick, kick down so that you can take that learning and use it to your benefit. The whole undervaluing yourself for your service seems to be so prevalent in, yes. in, in sadly too many Personally, I was there many, many years and trying to figure out where and why and what and my goodness, it is just the how you how you value yourself and yes. the whole fear. Like you said, you thought people were going to say no yeah. and that and that darn four letter word need you yeah. need the money the more i i learn and discover and educate myself i realize that that is a four letter word mm -hmm. if you can figure out how to remove the need now it's mm -hmm. not that you shouldn't ever want or crave or desire or aspire make mm -hmm. it all but it's it's a very specific thing to need it's it's almost like um there's a repelling action there, right? There is. And people can sense it. My husband calls it, um, oh, what does he call it? Um, I can't think of the word that he uses, but we'll call it sales halitosis. Um, where desperation comes out of your mouth and people can smell it from a mile away. And I think one of the most powerful shifts that I was coached through, and let's be clear, this came through a lot of coaching. I've been heavily coached for the last 10 years. I'm never without one. If, and if anything, I have two going at the same time. Um, one of the things was to shift away from me. Well, I might need it. However, the people who I'm speaking to 
actually need the transformation more than I need their money. It's not about me. It's about them. And when we shift our focus to the impact that we have and to giving and to making whomever we speak with just a little bit better through a conversation and we help them in some way without wanting something in return, that's where our success lies. And one of the things that I've had to learn to do is shift away from needing a new client to trusting that the right client will come at the right time with the right price and I have a full track record of making that happen. The universe has delivered every time we needed it, but I can't need it. I have to trust that they need me more than I need them. Yes. Uh, the thing you said, uh, the, you have to trust that the universe will deliver. And earlier you were talking about a call you got uh, for an opportunity and you mm -hmm. said in a weird twist of fate. Yeah. Now, do you really believe that there's any weird no. twist of fate? <laughs> no. When you look back through the journey, nothing is accidental at the time though. Listen, you're questioning, you're like, why is this happening? You know, any, anytime I've made a big risk or a big investment and I'm sitting there chewing my fingernails and, you know, I've cut it a bit close for that month, I'm always like, why have I done this again? What's this behind this? And then it always, when you ride it through with that resiliency, the resourcefulness and the persistence, it always becomes clear on the other side. But you just have to hunker down and hold on through that process. Now, that doesn't mean that you sit back and you're visualizing all these great things that are happening and, you know, money's flowing into your bank and, oh, look at you living this lavish life. Well, for sure, that has to be part of the vision. But if you're not making those power moves or taking the right actions to make that happen, it's a little bit of a, a discontorted vision, if you will. Is money important? Well, it depends if you need the money to feed your family. I mean, it depends why you're in business. There are some business owners who don't need to make business, but of the ones that I've met, 99.9% .9 need the revenue for their family or for them or for something. They either donate it or they give it away. So is money important? It's not the be all end all, but it sure is a barometer of how healthy your business is. What are you most afraid of today? Today? That it could all go away tomorrow. What do you mean? Well, you know, if, if I stop producing content and I stop attracting the right women in my community and I, I just sit back and, and I wait, <clears throat> I do worry that it'll all go away tomorrow. But, you know, I, I just got to do me. You know, I just, I got to... You know, after this, I'm about to record uh, uh, some content for my ladies uh, that they're needing to hear. Um, you know, I just, I just got to go back to giving and to sharing and teaching. And, you know, for me, when I step into that place of teaching, it has been, I think that's the tipping point for me. So could it all go away tomorrow? Sure, if I stop. And, and, you know, some days you're tired, some days you're exhausted, you're burnt out. And as a business owner, you give and you give and you give. And one of the things that I'm learning to do is to replenish and renew and refill so that I can keep giving. And so, you know, am I afraid that it'll all go away? Sure. If I don't take care of myself.
Yeah, all those R words you mm -hmm. used, um, opposed to giving and giving and giving. Um, what I've been learning is another one I'll add to the mix, receiving. You must, right. of course, right? Same thing you're saying, replenish, mm -hmm. rejuvenate. You must be comfortable with receiving. It is an equal cycle. That's life, ebb and flow, up and down, give, receive. I've been a giver my whole life. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to keep all the attention away from me. So I just gave, gave, gave. Oh, don't worry about me. I'm fine. Yeah, really? Give, mm -hmm. give, give. And then you feel so uncomfortable because you don't value yourself. But guess what? You need to receive is what I'm learning. You absolutely need it. It helps. It's necessary. It's mandatory. And do you know what just came across my radar over the weekend? I was reading uh, Saturday morning. I often wake up early and go outside and read my book. And it was talking about receiving. And again, it was one of those light bulb moments where it was in order to receive, you have to feel worthy of it. So let's go full circle to where we started you know, if we're not feeling worthy about what we're doing and we're so focused on our own anxieties and our fears and we're questioning ourselves, we just got to stop and go and look at the people who you get to touch each and every day and you get to impact each and every day. And then let's go back and remeasure your worth. So is money everything? No, it's just one barometer. Is the impact the most important? Absolutely. Mm. And the way I've heard it from my coach and mentor explained to me with this whole receiving, because my goodness, I would push that away constantly. Sure. Um, you're asked for the givers, how good does it feel to give or to give somebody a gift or to offer somebody something? And the answer is always, oh, it feels great. It feels incredible. It feels yeah. what I'm meant to do. Okay. So then turn the table. So now somebody else is looking to give you and your job is to receive. Why would you deny or neglect them? That incredible feeling you just acknowledged giving feels like. And that was a mind opening and mind blowing realization that, yeah. oh yeah, not only should I receive and could I receive, but you have do. It's a gift to receive. And I am just embracing all of that today. Amazing. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? Yes. And I think a lot of that deconstructing is understanding why things either have happened or are happening or what role we play in having things keep happening. You know, so I, you know, I, we talked about the early days where I was up to my eyeballs in debt. Well, I paid that all off. And then I started slipping back again. And it was like, hang on a second, hold the train for a minute because I am not interested in doing this again. What do I need to be doing differently? Why is this happening again? What's going on? And so, yeah, 100%. What do you think the reason we are here is for? I think, Josh, you and I are talking the same language. And I think we all have a desire. We both have a desire to be exceptional in our fields and to have a massive impact on other people. 
you know, I think we both in our businesses lead from, from a place that we can leave someone in a better place than when we found them. And if we can help them better understand how they work, then our, our job's done for the day. Are you spiritual or religious in any way today? And how so? Great question. Um, I don't subscribe to a formal religion. Am I spiritual? Absolutely. And, and I have to say that it, it is an area in my life that I have just started exploring. I've just scratched the surface. You know, I, it, 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 energy and, you know, a holistic being and spirituality was not really something that I explored through my childhood or, or growing up. And, and so it's definitely a journey that I've chosen to take as I deconstruct myself and better understand who I am and how I can continue to be exceptional in my field and how I can be a, a thought leader in, and to impact more lives. So am I religious? Not to a specific religion. Do I respect all religions? A hundred percent. Uh, absolutely. And at the same time, I think for me, spirituality is intrinsic. It's, it's something that's within me and, and I'm just on the journey of exploring it. Amazing. Tell me about any, um, any daily rituals you might have or how you stay motivated and on track. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a big fan of here. I have it right here. The book, um, the five minute journal. So I'm just learning how to journal. It's not something that comes naturally to me. Uh, But I have to say the practice that I'm putting in to my life that is having the most amount of impact is learning how to be quiet. And by that, I mean, you might want to call it meditation. You might want to call it, we'll just call it meditation for the sake of our conversation. I find it very, very difficult to stop and not be in action. And so I'm trying in the morning before I get up to visualize my day. I put my earphones on and I'm listening to guided meditations because I don't know how to do it myself yet. I would say I'm on the road. I wouldn't say I am in a meditative state. Um, I've recently taken up yoga to try and calm down and slow down. And I think there's a real tendency and, you know, I don't want to generalize or stereotype, but I think when when you have you know a wife and a mother of three kids who's working full time or over full time there's a lot of demands and so i i've trained myself to be in action all the time and sitting quiet for me was a sign of being ineffective or not maximizing my time and so i'm having to learn that that quiet is actually part of my renewal and is going to allow me to keep going and do more so the one practice the question was what's one practice that i'm putting in it's that morning visualization and meditation and at the end of the day I have a productivity planner called productive and I go through and I plan out my next day so that when I wake up I know exactly what I need to get done we are very similar in a lot of regards the more that this dialogue goes on the more I see Um, probably no more than two months uh, from the time of this recording I also got into meditation Mm -hmm. and prior to that 
I just didn't, I just didn't get it, right? Yes. I wasn't yes. ready for it. To say that I was anxious and high strung and off the wall is an understatement. <laughs> and um, I was ready for meditation. It came at the right time. And um, just two months ago, I happened to do it late in the evening and that works for me. And like you said, it is just, it's, it's the game changer literally right now for me. It, it helps me quiet my thoughts, calm me down, allow me to focus. It builds confidence. It, yeah. it, it, it builds clarity and vision and you, all that stuff. And funny enough, with that also, this very day, I am getting into journaling. It's so funny <laughs> you're saying that. And, you know, it's no accident. I guess these are, these are things that someone should do if they want to be on a different path. And that's certainly, I was 40 plus years of my life, I was not on the right path. And gosh darn it, now I'm trying to keep myself on a, on a better path. And these little things that I can do and implement are, are certainly helping and, and feel wonderful. I love it. What do you think happens when it's all over? Well, that's a nice light question. <laughs> when it's all over, in what, in what way? I mean, when we're all over? Or yes. When the business is said and done? No, you when mean? your life has uh, run its course. I think it's, that's where the legacy is. You know, and I think that's where when I say when you're launching it, it's so worthwhile to, to be building something that you're passionate about and that uh, you want to have an impact on and will have a legacy because when the, when the going is tough, you got to dig into wanting to have that impact. That's part of where my resiliency comes from anyway. Um, so, you know, having spent my life building a legacy, if, if I can help, you know, one woman live a better life by building a business that's profitable and going to serve her in a way that some, her other job didn't, then my time is done. And the truth is I've helped hundreds of women be able to achieve that. So when it's all said and done, if people can learn this power move system that I have and, and how to make impossible possible in their life, then they can see that there's choices and there's opportunity around them. And if, if one more person chooses a path that's going to serve them better then you know, my job's done. Absolutely fantastic. That wraps up everything I have. I will ask you, Sheila Cummins, how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered from someone who gives permission to women to make a choice in their life that's going to serve them and their family to their max and to stop tolerating in their life and to start making their own joy and finding their own happiness. If it's through running a business, then fantastic. If it's through doing something else, then let's figure out what that is. But there's no reason that we have to just live a groundhog day, day in, day out, and just tolerate a, a regular existence that isn't serving you. If you're not feeling fulfilled, there's options for you. Extraordinary, and dare I say, exceptional. <laughs> the running theme. Love it. Dila, if somebody wants to reach out, get in touch with you, say hello, what's the best way? 
best way is just honestly to search Sheila Cummins. I think in the show, lo show notes, we can put a link to a quiz, which would help you identify what kind of entrepreneur you are. And uh, that way we can stay connected via email. I have an amazing Facebook group of women entrepreneurs. And, and if you just look up hashtag women of action business owners, that's where you'll find us on Facebook. Come on in and join the conversation. We are a very friendly group and we are dedicated to championing you and supporting you through your business growth journey. I hope you have found this as extraordinary, exceptional and invaluable as I have. Wow, more than I could have hoped. Thank you, Sheila, for spending your time. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and investing your time. Until next time, go get them. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.